Hey everyone, welcome to the Promise Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to like us and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at My Promise Church. And to see what else is going on around here at Promise, please visit us at mypromisechurch.com. We hope this message you're about to listen to ministers to you and changes your life. Enjoy. in the house right now. I feel a great touch of the Lord. I wonder if wherever you're at right now, just bow our heads, close our eyes, just begin to pray. I feel a, a special grace in the plate in this place right now. I feel God has met us here for a reason. And I believe it's no accident that you are here. I believe with God nothing is wasted. I believe this moment right here, God can begin to work, restore, untangle, heal, anoint, bless, guide, direct, speak. Father, we just pray right now all over this house. We feel your presence. We feel your anointing in this place. You look down right now and see your children in this house, Father, each needing something from you today. And whatever that is right now, God, we believe that you can do it in this place. We believe you can bring strength in this house. We believe you can bring a word of direction. And I pray it over this place right now, Lord, as we lift you up, as we look to you, God, as we praise you in this place. Let there be blessing and favor, anointing. Let there be a touch. Let us receive from you. Ultimately, Lord, have your way in this hour. Have your way in this house. Have your way in this moment. Whatever you've come to do, God, we receive right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. How many said amen to that? Amen, 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 amen. I want to say thank you to the worship team. We could have had a worship night tonight or today uh, like we had a few weeks ago. Uh, I want to go to John chapter 9. Um, we've been in a miracle series and we've been going through the miracles in the book of John. Uh, there's eight miraculous signs, miracles, wonders that, that Jesus did um, in the book of John. And John um, gave us really a kind of a different perspective than the other gospel writers. And what I've really been saying over these, uh, over these weeks, and I believe this is going to be the last one for us. Uh, actually, I've got uh, Philip Ross preaching for us next week. Phil was up here in the altar with me. I don't know where he's at, but he's going to close this miracle series out for me um, next week. Um, but the um, one thing I wanted to say to the church, and I've been saying for all these weeks, is that I don't want this to just be a thing where we look in the book and we say, wow, that's great that some miracles happened for people 2,000 years ago. But I want it to really be life-changing. And I really believe our church can turn a corner and say, this is how God does things. This is how miracles happen. This is how prayers are answered. 
And, and one of the things we've just seen over and over is, is obedience. One of the things we've seen over and over is just kind of, I do what I can do, God what does what he does, and, and just this, this, this thing that we see over and over as we approach God, God says, well, you know, what, what are you doing with what I've already gave you? And there's this anointing, there's this favor that comes, and the miracle comes. And so I want to look at this one today. It's a blind man, and it's really all through the chapter of 9 of John. I'm not going to read it all. Oh, excuse me. So if you, um, I'm going to skip through. You can follow on the screen, or if you have a paper Bible, just kind of skip down with me. But here's what it says. It says, Jesus was walking along, and he saw a man who had been, everybody say this with me, blind from birth. That's important. He'd been blind from birth. It wasn't an accident that happened in adulthood. This was something that had happened from birth. Now, uh, verse 2, Rabbi, his disciples asked him, everybody say this with me, why? So the disciples asked Jesus, they were calling him rabbi, teacher, why was this man born blind? And they, they, they gave Jesus two options, really. They said, Jesus, was he born blind because of his own sin or was it because of his parents' sin? And here's Jesus' answer. He says, it wasn't because of his sin or his parents' sin. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. So, so this blind, this, this thing that was going on in his life, it wasn't because anybody messed up. It was, be, it was so that the power of God would be seen in his life, in his life. Now, Jesus says this kind of off, uh, kind of just says this. He says, we must quickly carry out the tasks assigned to us by the one who sent us. The night is coming when no man can work. That's a sermon in itself. I'm not going to touch it today, but I love that. Verse 5, Jesus says, while I'm here in the world, I am the light of the world. Then he spit on the ground, he made mud with the saliva, and he spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. Now, prayer team, I don't suggest we do that in here, but Jesus is Jesus, right? Jesus can do Jesus stuff. Um, <laughs> I read after some commentaries this week as I was studying, just kind of, I've always been marveled by that. Why? Uh, there's some ideas theologians have, maybe that, that was kind of a showing of the DNA. Uh, it's kind of talked about the man Christ Jesus and just some things there. I, d I don't have good answer for it, but it's just what God chose to do in that moment that there was mud that was going to be wiped on this man's eyes. And, and here's what happened. He told him in verse 7, go wash yourself in the pool. So the man went, washed, and came back. Look at it. He came back seeing. Some of the Pharisees said, this man, Jesus, is not from God. He's working on the Sabbath. Others said, but how can an ordinary sinner do miraculous signs? And then everybody look at this with me. There was deep division of opinion among them. There's this miracle. There's healing, something to celebrate, but there's deep division among the people. Now the Pharisees questioned, uh, uh, verse 17, the Pharisees again questioned the man who had been blind and demanded, what's your opinion about this man who healed you? The man replied, I think he must be a prophet. Verse 25, I love this. I don't know whether he's a sinner, but I know this. I was blind and now I can see. I don't know if anybody's testimony is the same today. I don't got all the answers, but here's what I know. I was blind, and now I see. 
I was lost and now I'm found. I was lost and now I'm saved. I was down and now I'm up. I don't know everything, but here's what I know. Jesus changed my life. How many say amen to that? God bless you. God bless you. Be seated in the house today. Thank you to the band. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You know, I, uh, I've, been, I've been in this series a while. I, I, I don't want to repeat myself, so I'll just kind of say one last time here that miracles still happen. Miracles still happen. These miracles were given as a sign to point us back to the deity of Jesus, to his compassion, to God's love for us. And, and all of these things were done for God's glory. And that's what brings me to this one today is that it's all for God's glory. Uh, and, and everything that happens in my life, I want it to be for God's glory. And, and th- I, when I think of this story, I actually believe that this story is most well known. A lot of people know the story of Jesus healing the blind man, but there were multiple healings of blindness um, in the Gospels. But I think this one, uh, Pastor Lily, was well known because the disciples said, Why? Why did this happen to him? Why has he been blind since birth? Why did he have to go all through life begging uh, uh, with, this, with this issue, with this condition, with this handicap? He has to have an assistant that leads him, and he's begging for alms. And, and why did all of this happen? And they said, surely somebody has sinned. Surely somebody's messed up. Somebody did something wrong. That's why it happened. And Jesus immediately comes back with, no, 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 no. That's not why it happened. He said, the reason this happened is so the power of God would be evident in him. And and, and I saw in the scripture that it wasn't a capital H, not like in him, Jesus, but in him, the man, the power of God be seen in him that was blind and now he can see. So the first thing I want to say today is that everything that happens in our life can be for God's glory and ultimately it's for my good. Because all the things that God does in my life, I begin to, they begin to stack up and I am blessed to be a blessing. I may have gone through some things, I might have some scars, I, I might have had some chapters and seasons of life, but God has a way of bringing good out of everything that was bad. And so ultimately, I can look back and say it was all for God's glory, the good and the bad, and it was ultimately for my good. And I thought about how the core this really is to our faith. This is really a picture of our life. This is our testimony. This is our story. This is our witness. This is what should be said about all of our lives is whether they were up or they were down, their life brought glory to God. And God's work in my life has blessed me. Uh, this is the life of the believer. Life of, of, of the believer is not that I just go to church for an hour on Sunday or just that I open the Bible occasionally at my, you know, my coffee table or maybe I just pray when I get into some trouble. But our entire life should be a living sacrifice. That means our life is a worship and a praise to God. And, and that my life has been changed. I don't know if that's anybody's testimony in the house. I'm sure it is somebody that would say, my life has been changed. My heart has been changed. 
I, I, I walk different. I talk different. I think different. I live different. I act different. I, I think bigger. My heart is bigger. Uh, my vision is greater. All because of Jesus. And this is the testimony. This is the story that God wants for your life. In fact, Jesus said, that's why I've come. He said in John 10.10, he said, the thief only comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But he said, I've come that you might have life and that you would have it more abundantly. You'd have a fuller life, a bigger life, a blessed life, a fruitful life. And that ought to be the testimony of all of us is say, hey, there were some things that came against me. I had some battles. I had some seasons. I had some storms. But ultimately, God has been good to me. He has blessed me. And whether I was in the valley or the mountain, I'm giving God praise and let all of it bring glory to God. And ultimately, God worked good out of everything that I went through. That can be your testimony today. So here, here's what happened. And, and they, they, the disciples see a blind man. And immediately their question is, Jesus, why? He said, why? Why was this man born blind? Was Who sinned? They, they didn't say, Jesus, what's going on here? Like open-ended. They, they brought it down to something. They distilled it down to two options. Jesus, who sinned? The parents or the son, the blind man. And the disciples were asking the wrong question. They wanted it to make sense. They wanted to find out who could be blamed for this problem, whose fault it was. And from this question, we see that they're just off track. They're focused on the wrong thing. Who's to blame? Whose fault is it? And Jesus brings correction to the question. This didn't happen because of anyone's sin. This happened so that this man would have a testimony. This happened so that the power of God would be seen in him. And the whole town would say, I've known him since he was a boy. And he was born blind. And now he sees. And, and so you're asking the wrong question. Nobody's sin caused this thing. My power is about to be revealed. My glory will be seen. For the rest of his life, he'll be 100 years old and people will say, that's the man that Jesus touched with mud and opened blinded eyes. So Jesus is saying, stop asking the wrong questions. Stop trying to make it all make sense and just understand the power of God and the testimony is what's really about to happen. That's what this is all about. And I just want to tell the church today, sometimes we ought to just take our hand off the wheel I've seen the, the bumper sticker, Jesus, my co-pilot. I always just say, let him fly the plane. I'll just be in first class. You know, just, I'll just have some, some peanuts and, and, and move the leather thing. And I've never flown first class, but, you know, I just I always walk through there, you know. But sometimes we're trying to make sense of things that are above our pay grade. Sometimes we're trying to fly a plane we have no business flying. And they're trying to figure something out, and God's saying, I've got this in control. Like, like we're trying to figure it out, and God's like, I've got this under control. And so they, they press Jesus. It's in verse 2. Rabbi, why? Everybody say, why? Why was this man born blind? I want to tell you today, if we're not careful, our lives get stuck at the why. Why, Lord? Why me? 
Why this sickness? Why, why am I going through this? What do I do? Why, why am I doing it? What did I do to deserve it? Was it my sin? Did I mess up in 2020? And is that why this is all happening to me? It, 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 why is this going on in my life? Why the sickness? Why the storm? Why the test? Why the trial? And I'll just tell you, I've been in ministry long enough that I don't try to figure out the whys. I tell people, you can ask the Lord in heaven, but you know what? When we get there, I think it won't matter so much. The Bible says we'll just throw our crown at his feet, and someday we're going to say, it was worth it all. It, it was worth it all. Everything I went through, every test, every trial, every storm, every hard night, every tear that I cried, it was worth it all. And I think we'll forget about all those questions. But I'll tell you, we might not have the answers here, but everything is for God's glory. And God is a God that in nothing, the Bible says nothing is wasted. We saw it last week. It said nothing is wasted. Nothing was wasted. I want to tell you nothing in your life is wasted. No tear will be wasted. No hard season will be wasted. No storm will be wasted. No tragedy will be wasted. God can bring good even out of the bad things. And I'll tell you, if it's not good, God's not done yet. It's a chapter in my story, but it's not my story. My story has a good ending. And it might have been a hard season, but God brings good out of every season. That's the God we serve. You know, I, I, uh, Jesus redirects, this, redirects them as if to say, you're not asking the right question. I don't know about you, but I had teachers that told me there's no such thing as a dumb question. Anybody ever ask a question and you're like, come on. I understand the heart behind it. It, it. It's meant to be, I see Norka here. Norka's a teacher. I understand the heart behind it. I see Michelle. I got a lot of, my wife, she's, okay. I, bet. I understand the heart behind it. If a child needs to learn this, it's like, hey, just ask, please. We'll, get, we'll catch you up to speed. But how many know we can't ask the wrong question? And when we're asking the wrong question, it means we're off track. And Jesus redirected them because they were off track with all of their thinking. Their, their question revealed their thinking. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. Sickness does not happen because you made a mistake. Storms don't come because you made a mistake. Don't always come because you made a mistake. And maybe the better question is not why. It should be how. How is God going to turn this around? How is God going to bring good out of bad? How is God going to bring me through the storm? <laughs> How is God going to do what he does best? How is God going to use this season of my life to be a testimony, to be, to be a, a good thing? How is God going to do what God's going to do? I, I loved, I don't know if Matt took off, Matt was in the first service, but Matt led us in the offering today, and he was talking about being others focused. And I think the why me question is inward, it's self-focused. It's self why did this happen to me? Why is this going on in my life, Lord? Why? And it's looking inward. But when we look outward, we say, how is God going to get glory from this? 
How is God going to bless my life through this? How is God going to use this season? How is God going to bring good out of this? How is God going to use my story to save somebody else? How is God going to use my life to be an encouragement to somebody else? And when we change from the why to the how, we bring God into every circumstance and every season and every struggle, and we say in the good and the bad, He's worthy of it all. In the good and the bad, I'm going to praise the Lord. In the good and the bad, whatever it is, He does not change. He's still worthy, and I'm going to praise Him in the down and the up and the all around and the upside down because He's worthy. And so I'm not saying why, I'm saying how. Change it from why me to say, how are you going to do it, God? Like, I'm ready to watch. <laughs> well, I'm in a storm. I don't know if he's going to walk on the water or come up out of the bottom of the boat, but I know there's going to be peace. How are you going to do it? We can get lost in the why and not look for the how. How's God going to get glory from this? How's God going to bless my life through this? How's God going to grow me and change me and purify me and perfect me? I think a lot of times Christians... In challenging seasons, they get mad at God. But then in good seasons, they forget about God. <laughs> it's like, either way, we miss the whole point. What if we turn that around and we said, in the good times, I'm praising Him for good times. In the bad times, I'm walking even a little more closer. Because I'm in the valley of the shadow. But I don't fear because you are with me. And so in the good times and the bad times, I'm giving him praise. And, and, and we can praise him in the struggle. We can praise him in the sickness. We can praise him in the storm. And I can praise him also in the abundance of the blessing. That's what the Bible said is he's the God of the hills and the valleys. Because he's God when I'm on the hill. And he's God when I'm in the valley. He's God of both. So why would I stop praising him on the mountain and say, I made it, I'm on the mountain? No, it's his mountain. He got me on top of this mountain. So I'm going to praise him on the mountain. But in the valley, he doesn't change. He didn't leave me. So I praise him in the valley. Whether I'm in the light or the dark, he's worthy of my praise. Whether I'm in sunshine or rain, he's worthy of my praise. Whether I'm sick or in health, he's worthy of my praise. Whether I'm in or I'm out, he's worthy of my praise. Every season, every chapter, every hard time, every struggle, every blessing, every season, he is worthy. He's worthy. So what if we took Every mountain, every valley, every season, every chapter, every test, every trial and every blessing, and we brought it to Jesus. And just said, Lord, I don't know how you're going to get glory out of this one, but I'm watching the how. I've been blind since birth. I've been begging for change. I don't know how you're going to get glory out of it, but let my life bring glory to you. I'm going through a struggle right now. I don't know how, but I know you can bring good out of bad. It was a tragedy. Somebody hurt me. Somebody did this. I, I don't know how, God, but I know you can bring good out of what happened to me. 
I thought about this in Mark chapter 4. Jesus was teaching about the, so, the parable of the sower, sowing the seed. And he, said, he, he told the different grounds that it would fall on. And I just want to pull one out of there today. It's in Mark chapter 4. He talks about the stony ground. He said, when they hear the word, the soil is our heart. Jesus explains that. He says, when they heard the word, immediately they received it with gladness. But they didn't have root yet, and so they only endure for a time. And afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises, immediately they stumble. When tribulation comes, testing and trials, challenging times come, Satan will do anything he can to pull up that root that God has planted in you. And I just want to tell you, that's not the time to get mad at God. That's not time to walk away. It's not time to let things be uprooted. It's not time to say why. It's time to say how. How can God be praised in this moment? How can God receive glory in this moment? I love what Job said. Job said, God gives to me and he takes away. He can give it to me again, but blessed be the name of the Lord. He said, even if he slayed me, I would still trust him. No matter what happens in my life, I'm still going to praise him. Whether I'm on the mountain or in the valley, God is worthy of my praise. How can you bring glory out of this? The scripture also tells us about the mountaintops. It says, in good times, we can forget God. I remember that uh, Solomon said, Lord, I I want to be wealthy enough that I don't have to steal to get food and bread. But he said, don't let me be so wealthy that I forget that I need your provision in my life. Don't ever forget that it was God that got you on the mountaintop. When you're blessed, it's easy to look around and say, my bank account's full, family's good, a house is good, I live in Orlando, I got a pool, Beautiful weather now. We're not getting scorched outside. You know, we can go do anything you want to do after church, a cookout. I'm not supposed to talk about food. It's easy to forget God. Moses told God's people this in verse 7 of Deuteronomy 8. He said, the Lord is bringing you into a good land, the promised land. Y'all been in a desert for 40 years, but there's going to be a land of brooks of water. You can go up to the brook anytime and it's just running pure, clean water. There's fountains. There's springs that flow out of valleys and hills. If you're in the desert, that sounds amazing. Then he says it's also a land of wheat and barley. He says it's of vines and fig trees and pomegranates. And and, and they said that there was going to be houses that they didn't build and vineyards that they didn't plant. And a land of olive oil and a land of honey. Go back there because I like olive oil and honey. A land of olive oil and honey. They're they're just salivating now, right? And then he tells them it's a land where you can eat bread without scarcity. It's like a buffet. And you'll lack nothing, and the land has iron and, and hills you can dig copper out of. And, and when you've eaten everything you wanted to eat and you're full, bless the Lord. When you look around and life is good and there's blessing and your stomach's full, bless the Lord, your God, for the good land which he has given you. Bless the Lord. When you look around, everything's good. Bless the Lord. When you look around and everything's good, don't forget God. Here's what he says. He says, beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by keeping his commandments, his judgments, his statutes, which I've commanded you today. And I won't read the whole chapter, but trust me, Moses says it over and over. Don't forget the Lord. 
He says, don't forget the Lord brought you out of slavery. Don't forget the Lord broke those chains of bondage. Don't forget the Lord delivered you from the Egyptians. Don't forget the Lord brought you over the Red Sea. Don't forget the Lord provided for you manna in the wilderness. Don't forget the Lord brought water out of a rock. Don't forget how good God has been. So when you look around and you say everything's good, don't forget that it all came from the hand of the Lord. So whether I'm in the valley or the mountain, God gets glory from my life. God gets praise from my lips. Because God's been good to me. Now, I know, I know, I know that, that this is easier said than done. And somebody say, how can we do this? This man was born blind. And when you're born blind and when you're struggling through and when you're going through and you don't know how God is going to get glory out of it, it's a little bit difficult sometimes. And so if you've been around the scripture much, or maybe even just been around me, you probably know I'm going to Romans 8, 28. <laughs> but even Paul, as he writes to the church at Rome, it's kind of like, we know, we know this, but I just want to repeat it to you. And so I know the church knows this, but I just want to repeat it to you, because when you're going through the whys, it's good to know that all things work together for good to those that love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. Now, I just want to make sure I'm in the book, but does that top line say all things? This side said yes. It says all things, right? All things. So that means God can bring good things out of bad things. I didn't say everything. No, no, no. Hey, hey, hey. I, I'm not telling you. Every, see, sometimes, sometimes people think once they got saved and sanctified, only good things happen. I just want to tell you, you still live in a fallen world. And so I'm not here to tell you everything is good. I'm not here to tell you that everybody wishes you good or everybody's done good to you. But here's what I can tell you. God has a unique ability to bring good out of everything. Good things, bad things, mediocre things, mixed up and messed up things. God can still bring good out of it for those that love Him and follow their calling on, His calling on their life. Somebody ought to give God a praise right there because nothing is wasted. God is not wasting anything. God is working in all things. I wish somebody helped me today and believe that. Believe it in your life. Every chapter, every season, every hard night, everything, God is bringing good out of it. And so I'm, my eyes are peeled and just saying, God, how are you going to do it? But bring good out of it. it here's, what, here's what I love. It might have been a bad season but it made for a good testimony. Lewis caught that back there. I'll just say that one more time. It might have been a bad season, but it made a good testimony. It might have been a bad chapter, but it makes for a good story. I don't want to read a book that it's just all sunshine and butterflies and rainbows. I'd get bored with that story. I want a little drama. I want, I, want, I want somebody to square up and, you know, just get things a little messy sometimes. <laughs> it might have been a bad chapter, but it makes for a good story. 
It might have been a hard year, but that's your testimony. It might have been a scar, but it tells your story. It might have been a test, but it's my testimony. And I thank God for every hard season because God brought good out of it. I might not have chose the struggle, but the struggle chose me. And God brought me through, and I'm stronger for it on the other side because God has a way of bringing good out of every hard season, good out of every bad thing, good out of everything that the enemy meant for evil. Somebody ought to say amen for that. You know, not everything in my life has to be good for me to be able to say that every good thing, the Bible said every good and perfect thing came down from our Father above in whom there is no shadow or variableness of turning. And this is where God wants to take you. This is where God wants to level you up. Where tests and trials, they get you to the place that you can say, God is going to be praised. My life is for God's glory. You know, I thought about Job, how the enemy came, uh, the enemy came to, to the Lord. And the enemy said, you know what? The only reason that Job... Uh, serves you is because you blessed him so much. And, and Satan told, uh, and God told Satan, he said, go ahead and take it all away. You said he only serves me because he's got a good business? Take it away. You, you say he only serves me because he's got a lot of cattle? Take him away. Is his family's all picture perfect and all that stuff? Attack the family. You, you attack it and we'll see. And what Job, I will tell you, I would submit to you that Job's life brought God more glory in the down season than the up season. Because here's what, I think maybe you don't, maybe, maybe there's somebody here that don't realize this. You know, Job was the wealthiest man on the planet. It said he was the wealthiest man in that, area, in that known area of the world. That, I, I, who's the wealthiest guy now? Is it Bezos or, or is it Elon Musk? It's Musk now. I haven't been following the Tesla stock, but this young man has. So get that, get that, yeah, get that, get that IRA going right now, bud. <laughs> yeah, it, I know it fluctuates, but but that would be like watching somebody like that go broke and come back double. Somebody said double for the trouble. <laughs> but I tell you, I tell you. And, and I hadn't really thought this through too much. It's just one of those things that hit me in the first service. So I'll, I'll, I'll shoot it out there in the second service. But this really kind of makes your faith fireproof. Because what, you know, after Satan got done testing Job, and, and Job says, you know what? The Lord gives, the Lord takes away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. And even if he slay me, I'm still going to trust him. And then God blesses him with double. And I think Satan just walked away like, I'm going to just pick on somebody else now. Like... Like, I think it just fireproofs you. He's just like, he, like stop messing with him. Because he praises God in the valley. He praises God on the mountain. I don't know what to do with him. And I just wonder if Promise Church could get there. I praise him on the mountain. I praise him in the valley. Praise him when the bonus check comes in. Praise him when the light bills late. But God is worthy and my life gives him glory at all times. And I tell you. That's all right. I'd like to preach right there and just get excited. But I'll tell you, your life, people watch you. People at job make know you're a Christian. 
You gave somebody an Easter invite card. You prayed with somebody when, when they were going through something. And they're like, I want to see him go through something. He told me to have faith when I was going through something. I want to see when he goes through something. They're watching. But it brought God, Job's life brought God more glory when he was down than when he was up. Because people all around said, he praised God on the way up. He praised God on the way down. There must be something to this thing. There must be something to that man. Because you can't shake his faith. You can't rock him. You can't knock him out. You can't knock him down. He said if God took everything away, he'd still praise him. And Satan don't know what to do with that. And someday you'll get to the end of your life and say, I should have stressed a lot less because he was in control the whole time. And you'll look back and you'll say, he used that. And he put that together with that. And he protected me from that. And, and Joseph, he got to Genesis 50 and 20. He looked back over his life and he was sitting there with his brothers. And he said, you all meant that for evil. You sold me into slavery. You ripped the garment off of me that dad gave me. And you put animal blood on it and went and told dad that I got mixed up with a werewolf. And, and, and then you, you threw me in a pit. And Judah pulled me out, and I thought it was going to be okay, but you really just sold me into slavery. And I was working in Potiphar's house and got lied on and prosecuted and thrown into a prison. But looking back, God used it all. He said, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good in order to bring about salvation for so many people alive today. And I just want to tell you, someday you're going to get to the end of your life, and you're going to say, that was a hard chapter, but God put it all together. That was a hard night, but God got me through. That was a storm, but we rode it out, and God used it all to save me, to deliver me, to prosper me, to protect me, to provide for me. And even Joseph's brothers... Nothing was wasted. What they did to hurt their brother, God used to save them. Yeah. Even what they meant for evil, God said, I'm going to turn that around and I'm going to save you through it. God has a way of bringing good out of bad. How many said amen? amen. All right, I'll move on. That was such a good amen, I can move on. Uh, the second thing I want to tell you, and, and, and two and three will be quicker here. Vision brings division. He got his vision, and immediately there was division among the people. I'm amazed at the fact that Jesus heals him, and what it led to was division in the crowd. You had the Pharisees, the Sadducees, that's the religious elite. Then you had the multitude, just the crowd, the, the bystanders, and then you had the disciples. And each one of those factions began to have a different opinion upon what just happened. Jesus heals the man in verse 16, and we already read it, but at verse 16 of John 9, at the end of it, it says, there was a deep division of opinion among them. Deep division, not praise, not worship, not wow, not excitement. Like I'd have been dancing in the streets like, 
We went to school together. You were blind since birth, and now you see. But it was deep division, and people were not happy with the miracle. They first said, why is he blind to begin with? And now they're not happy that he's healed. And I'll tell you, when God does something in your life, don't be surprised if not everyone is happy that you're blessed. People come to the Lord and get saved and their friends want to drag them right back in to what they just got set free from. People get blessed and people say, well, they didn't really deserve. They just got lucky. (laughs) We were in, I had a life group on Friday. Elena told me, she said, she said, when she got saved, people thought she's crazy. I hope I'm all right to say that, Elena. (laughs) She said, folks said, this girl's crazy now. And I know that's the testimony of a lot of people. I came to the Lord. My family thought I was crazy. I wasn't invited to the things I used to be invited to. They invited me to Thanksgiving, but I had to sit at the kids' table now. It's like, <laughs> your friends think you're crazy. Family thinks you lost it. Not everybody's happy. Uh, people come out of the mess. They're delivered. They're set free. They, 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 chains of addiction and bondage and substances and all this stuff. People can't celebrate it. They want to drag you right back into it. This man got his vision and people couldn't shout with him. I, I know there's a, a I, I, I did this one time and, and it was lobsters and it was, it was a lot of fun. But I, I understand that crabs do this. If you go crabbing, Bobby helped me in the first service. If you go crabbing, not fishing, if you go crabbing uh, and you get these crabs in the buckets, I, I don't know if you've ever done this, but um, they, you get a bunch of crabs in the bucket and they start stacking up or lobsters as well. And, and one will start climbing out of the bucket, like he's stepping on people, and like he's kind of riding up the side, and he's got like one claw on the top of the bucket, and he's about to flip out, uh, out over the thing, and go, what happens? The other crabs pull him back down. The other lobsters pinch him, pull him back down. You ain't getting out. You staying in here with us. And people can do the same thing. When God does something in your life, don't be surprised if not everybody's on board with it. When God gives you a fresh vision for your life, when God heals you, when God blesses you, when God promotes you, when God gives you fresh anointing, and He'll open your eyes and there's new hope, there's new excitement, there's fresh anointing, but people around you don't have the same hope you have, and they want to pull you back down. This man was healed and people couldn't celebrate it. This man's life was changed and nobody could shout and say hallelujah. They started saying, he was healed on the wrong day. It had to be Monday. It had to be Tuesday. Who cares? He was blind. Now he can see. Let's celebrate. Let's give God a praise. Uh, If you're blessed, I'm happy you're blessed. I want to rejoice with those that rejoice. God is doing a new thing. God is doing a good thing. And I'm going to praise God with you. But you've got to be okay if not everybody is celebrating the new vision God has given your life. Genesis 37, Joseph receives a vision, a dream for his life, and his brothers hated him for it. They didn't celebrate. They actually hated their own brother because of it. Uh, Paul told the church at Thessalonica that uh, don't be unsettled by these trials. 
you know quite well we were destined, we are destined for them. I just want to tell you that when you said yes to Jesus, you said yes to opposition. When you said yes to Jesus, you said yes to having an enemy of your soul. When you said yes to Jesus, you said no to some things. And when you committed to the vision that God had for your life, understand there will be tests, there will be trials. You are destined for them, but do not be knocked off the path for that. Know that it's coming. Commit to the vision God has given you. Even when resistance comes, I'll tell you, not everybody understands the assignment and the call and the purpose on your life. Not everybody understands the calling and assignment and purpose on my life. I tell you, when I go to like barber shops or I'm on an airplane, you know, people say, what do you do? I, sometimes I just want to stay away from that as, as, as embarrassed as I am because what will happen is either somebody will love me or they hate me. They want to talk to me the rest of the flight about the Bible and theology and all kind of stuff. And sometimes I'm like, I'm just trying to eat peanuts and just land. Like it's just, you know, but, or, they, or they hate me. And, and there's never any middle ground. It's not like, oh, that's cool. You're a plumber. Oh, okay. No, it's, it's, it's really cool or really not cool. And, and I just tell you, you're the same way. People are like, it's really awesome that God has a vision for your life, or it's really not. And don't be knocked off pace by that. Music come. I got to close. I was having fun preaching today. I don't know if I went too long. Last thing I want to tell you, though, is to tell your story. Do you know that only you can tell your story? Only you can tell it firsthand. I can't tell it firsthand. I could retell your story, but it's not the same as you telling your story. And do you know that people, it's actually really hard to refute your story, George. We could get into some high-minded debate about the cosmos and the stars and evolution or Big Bang or Genesis 1. We, we could get into all of that and people argue. But when you say, I was lost and now I'm found, you can't argue with that. Say, I was mixed up. And now I'm blessed. And the turning point was Jesus. It's hard to argue with that. And that's what, this ha- that's what happened with this man. And I'll, I'll just show you because we didn't read all of it. But Jesus tells him in verse 7, and, and Carlin's, I'm going to go quick through this. But he says, go wash yourself in the pool. So the man went back, and here's the miracle. He comes back seeing. The next verse, his neighbors, this is the crowd, they knew him as the blind beggar. This, is, this story is so interesting to me. They say, isn't this the man that used to sit and beg? Like, even though they recognize him, they just had a hard time, like, wrapping their mind around it. Is this the same guy? In verse 9, somebody says it's a lookalike. They're like, no, he just looks like him. They're like, is this him? <laughs> and, and the beggar keeps saying, yes, I'm the same one. In verse 10, they asked, who healed you? What happened? Like, was there a doctor in town? Like, what in the world happened? He told them, the man they called Jesus made mud, spread it over my eyes, told me to go wash in the pool. I went and washed, and now I can see. Wow. Then the Pharisees want to know. They call him in. He tells them in verse 15, he says, he put mud on my eyes. He just keeps telling the same story. He, he, just, he just keeps telling the same story. I, I, they put mud on my eyes, and when I washed away, I, I could see. Verse 17, the Pharisees again question him. So they ask him a second time. They say, okay, but, but they question the man and demanded, what's your opinion? He says, I think he must be a prophet. 
the Jewish leaders still refused to believe the man. So catch it now. Now they call in his parents. They didn't believe him. They call in the parents. And, and they ask them, is this your son? Was he born blind? If so, how can he now see? And his parents say, yes, this is our son. And we know he was born blind. We were there. He was born blind. We, like, we know that much. We're just telling you what we know. But he says, but we don't know how he can see or who healed him. Ask him. He's old enough to speak for himself. So now, even though they already asked him twice, they call him in in verse 24. They call him back for a second time. And they say to him, God should get the glory because we know Jesus is a sinner. And here's what he says. He says, I, he's like, here's what I don't know. I don't know everything about Jesus. I don't know whether he's a sinner. But I know this. I was blind. And now I can see. I was blind. But now I can see. They say, but what did he do? How did he heal you? Verse 27, look, the man exclaimed. I told you once. Didn't you listen? Why are we still going over this? I thought about how Peter came out of prison in Acts chapter 4. They beat him within an inch of, their li of his life. And they said, don't preach about Jesus anymore. And he said, I cannot help but speak what I've seen and what I've heard. That's all a witness does, is they just say, speak what they saw and they heard. I don't know if he was texting, I don't know if he was inebriated, but I saw him run the red light and I heard the crash. That's what happened. That's what I know. I don't know everything. I don't know the maintenance records on the Toyota Camry. I, I know that he ran the red light. That's all I know. And this is where we're at. There's some things I don't know, but here's what I do know. I can't tell you everything, but I know this. I can't answer all your questions, but here's what I know. I know that my life changed when I came into contact with Jesus. Here's what I know. I know I was blind, Pastor, but now I see. I know that I was lost and now I'm found. I know that I was in the dark and now I'm in the light. I know I was addicted, but now I'm set free. I know I was confused, but now I have clarity. I know I was broken, but now I'm healed. I know I was sick, but now I'm healed. I know that I was down, but God has picked me up. Stand with me all over this house. There's folks in this place today, I want you to tell your story. I want you to tell people your story of what God has done. But there's other people in this room right now, I want you to invite Jesus into your story. Because when Jesus steps into your story, it changes everything. It changes everything. And if today you would say, I'm in a hard chapter, but I want Jesus in this chapter. I'm in a tough time in my story, but I want Jesus in my story. Everything can change. I wonder if you bow your heads, close your eyes all over this house. I wonder how many would just, with faith, lift up their hand today with nobody looking around and just say, I need Jesus in my story today. I see a lot of hands going up. I see a lot of hands going up. I see that. I'm praying for you right now. And I'll add... If your hand is raised, that's okay. If your hands aren't raised, that's okay. 
But I want to invite you to this altar today. And we'll pray with you. Because I believe God can come into your story today and change everything. This band's going to play. I'm going to sing. I'd like to invite you to the front if you feel like it. Lord, I just pray over this room right now, Lord. I pray, God, that you would step into our story. Step into that chapter. Step into it right now. We trust you and believe you. In Jesus' name, let it be done. Once again, thank you so much for listening. Share this message with a friend. And don't forget to hit subscribe. See you next time.